0: Hello, and welcome to In Conversation with the monthly podcast series brought to you by the team that produced the Global Cosmetics Newsfeed. Throughout 2022, we have explored by unleashed product categories how companies are future proofing their individual businesses. Today, with the help of my forward thinking panel, we will discuss how to future proof the cosmetics industry. And without further ado, let me introduce this month's panel. Hello and welcome to Philippe Gauguin, CEO of SORGA. A warm welcome to Dirk Jorn Alswan, founder at ForestWise. And welcome to Julien Tremblant, general manager at TerraCycle Europe. And I'm your host, Siobhan Murphy. Philippe, let's start with you. What are the social drivers that are influencing Sorgas' future proofing of the cosmetic industry?
1: Hello, and uh, very proud to be uh, with you today. Um I would say that up to now we had a consumer that was uh, looking for uh, efficiency, price and inspirant model to follow with the beauty uh, product. Today we have new generation uh, who are aware of the situation of the planet. They are looking for brand commitments, various brand commitments. It can be environmental, it can be social. uh, It can be many ways to tell the consumer, um, I'm engaged, and I uh, am aware of uh, uh, the planet where we all live, and I am caring about people. And this new generation um, is waiting for uh, responsible cosmetics. Uh, they want to act for change, and it's, it's something that uh, we we didn't have so much uh, obvious in the in the demand. Uh, it's a, a really strong trend in the new launches that we uh, we can see, and it's something that will last. It's something that, uh, uh, according to me, uh, it will uh, be a. Uh, a key factor for the next uh, generation to not only buy a cosmetic product according to the last advertising, but uh, to take care of uh, different brand commitments
2: that are in stake.
0: And talking brand commitments, Dirk-Jan, what are the key social drivers Forestwise Wise have been tracking?
2: Hello, Sjövan, and thank you very much for um, uh, having us. Yes, at Forcewise uh, we believe that, uh, or we see actually that that our our customers and consumers around the world are asking uh, for a lot of uh, a lot more than they used to do. Uh, so I agree with with Philippe. Uh, for example, uh, traceability of products. We we get uh, very often that that question about um, where where do our uh, ingredients actually come come from, and uh, they are demanding also more transparency about for example what uh how, how does the supply chain what does it look like and uh how much is paid to, to the farmers do do they get uh, a an, an, uh, a fair pay um do they own the land where uh where the uh, products come from uh but it, it's actually it's very broad uh it's it's uh, sustainability uh all aspects of it that we see is um uh yeah is definitely uh, on the rise and also if you see, uh, if you look around at, at, um, at a trade show, trade exhibition, for example, um, yeah, all brands are screaming sustainability. Um, so it's not only about like, for example, in foods uh, that you want to know where the product that you eat, where it comes from. That's now also very, very much um, the, the case in, in cosmetics. It's not only about uh, product uh, efficacy anymore. And uh, also not only about the the product that you buy, the the cosmetic product itself, but also how it's packaged. And uh, yeah, we're with for, at Forsyth, we are trying to meet these needs and offer the the traceability of these products, uh, knowing the collectors that of those products, and uh, using uh, for example upcycled materials as well. And uh, another, one other thing we'd like to mention is that we uh, see that there is um uh, social sorry there's also a drive in uh, creating measurable impact so that what we are saying what we are communicating that we actually can measure that as well
0: indeed in talking packaging Julianne, what are the drivers TerraCycle have been tracking
3: thanks Siobhan for for the question and thanks for having me on, on on the panel um i think the I, I will echo what has been said by uh, Durkan and, and, and Philippe, but I think what we've seen more than anything else over the last uh, uh, 10 years or so, because it's been a, about as long as we've operated in Europe, um, we've seen that green and sustainability issues have become a massive driver of purchase intent, I would say, since um, uh, specifically I sit in the UK. And in the UK, you can really see that it started around uh, 2017, uh, 2018. Uh, and there was a, a key catalyst, which at the time was uh, the Blue Planet uh, Blue Planet documentary uh, that was uh, released on the BBC that really showcased the impact of plastics on the ocean for, for a short amount of time, but had reverberations that went really, really uh, far-reaching. And I think more recently as well, we've seen um, uh, consumers, citizens, really be affected by how much uh, waste was generated by certain things like even the pandemic, right? We've gotten used to... Uh, single-use plastic consumption throughout, whether that's testing, whether that's PPE, etc. So I think all of these have really emphasised how much people are are wanting to look at reducing their impact on the environment. Uh, So certainly it's having a a big impact. But the biggest thing that I've seen personally has been when I uh, started at uh, TerraCycle uh, in 2015, we had about... 10 programs across Europe, fairly limited uh, visibility. And ever since uh, 2018, we've launched something like 150 programs to recycle, how to recycle uh, packaging products. Uh, and, and it's been led mostly by a huge increase in the number of people who've contacted us, who wanted to take part. And I would say that we've seen both a massive change in consumer habits by seeing how many people want to come to use our services for uh, recycling, hard-to-recycle packaging. Um, But also a huge increase in the number of people who want to start uh, going even a step further than collecting and recycling, uh, but actually want to reuse packaging. And that's something we've seen uh, through the launch of of another platform that we've developed since uh, 2017, which is called Loop, and allows for uh, consumer citizens to buy products that they can uh, then return the packaging of and, and for that packaging to be cleaned and put back into uh, into production of new uh, new um, uh, products. So the same container being used over and over again, basically, uh, without the need for recycling, just cleaning. And what I would say is something like a 500% increase in the use of our services between 2018 and 2019. Just to show how much um, how much impact I think uh, the the increased consumer awareness has had since uh, since 2018.
0: And Philippe, what are the digital drivers currently SORGA are tracking that are assisting the future-proofing of the cosmetics industry?
1: Definitely, I would say the digital passport product. Um, Last year, there were a very interesting survey of the European Commission uh, about greenwashing, and uh, it shows that 42% of the brands are cheating with environmental claims. So now people... uh, would like to choose a good product uh, to care about people, to care about the planet, uh, for uh, transparency, trustability. But who can we trust? Um, Today, if you launch a new cosmetic product, uh, you need to be bio, you need to be vegan, you need to be uh, natural. And uh, of course, if you don't miss any sales, you will write everything on your pack. Now the consumers need some uh, evidence and some trust some proof to know exactly which uh, brand is uh, engaged and uh, to be able to uh, verify the different brand commitments. So um, with Sorga, we propose um, a digital passport product uh, with evidence that we anchor in a a low consumption blockchain and uh, evidence that anyone can check very easily. Um, this way, we answer not only uh, uh, legal constraints um, that comes about digital passport product for many industries, because of um, the, the topic of um, eco-conception to prove um, the way you 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 did your your product, uh, the way you work, the places your manufacturers are, and so on. Um, not only to explain the sustainability of your product, explain to the uh, consumer how is going to uh, reuse the pack, for example, as uh, Julian said, or to recycle the product, Um, as uh, the European Commission is asking to the different industries to inform the consumers and to stop wasting the, the, the product and to have a, a better impact about the energy. So it's not only about uh, answering a a legal conference is taking the opportunity of this uh, digital passport product to uh, open a new era of trust where uh, you can discover the full story of the product. Uh, It gives much more transparency to, uh, to the consumers. It helps also to understand the price of the product. Sometimes you discover how many people, how many talents, how many places are involved in your product. And um, yeah, definitely, I would say that uh, digital passport products are uh, something that will come more and more often, and uh, a, a great expectation from uh, uh, the
2: consumers.
0: Digital passports, Dirk Jan, is that something that Forestwise are using?
2: We're not uh, using that at the moment. Uh, what what we are looking at for uh, make uh, providing more trans- uh, transparency in our supply chain is is using apps that are available. How we can make our whole uh com- supply chain visible so it it can start from uh where are the locations where we are harvesting uh the the collectors can input how much they harvest which day they harvest they can see what prices are being paid at uh, at which time we can provide them with the training uh, on inside the app or harvesting tips and uh, when they are collecting, they can take the GPS points uh, as they uh, as they are even offline with their smartphone. So so all of those um, yeah developments are really helping us to uh, show people uh, more transparency and to make sure that that we um, uh, that that what we say is not greenwashing and that we can uh, prove that there is no deforestation in the, taking place to make the the products that we make.
0: Indeed. And at TerraCycle, Julianne, what are the digital drivers uh, your company are using?
3: That's a, that's a really good question. Um, and I would jump on, on this uh, this concept of, of traceability and transparency, which I think is, is the most important to, to people now. Um, we do a number of things uh, to ensure that obviously um, everybody is sure of, of what happens to the waste that they send to us for recycling or, 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 or they send to us for reuse. The the main thing tends to be around uh, the the digital platform that we use has the ability to track uh, every shipment that has uh, been sent to us. We've decided since uh, last year to start working with a a waste management uh, system essentially uh, called Avreca, um, which allows us to track every single shipment of waste that comes within our supply chain, whether that is a small box of, of waste, or a huge truckload coming into us is tracked all the way from the moment we receive it all the way to the moment when it's actually transformed into a secondary raw material. And that allows us when we make a processing run or a recycling run or any material that we have, we can link that back directly to the original parcel that was sent to us by an individual, by a store, by a charity, whoever ended up making the shipment, we know when their waste has been um, uh, processed, which really enables quite a lot of of, of traceability and transparency and citizens who decide to recycle with us or shops, uh, uh, you know, whether that's a L'Occitane store or a Kiel store or or, or whoever that currently works with us, um, when their waste has been received at our facilities, they have uh, uh, an alert onto our TerraCycle website that says to them, your waste is now within our our facilities and will be processed according to the to the 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 the, the modus operandi that that we have with them um i also think it's important that we have all this digital tracking as mentioned by philippe because we we also want to go a step further when it comes to actually uh, auditing the stuff that we do and obviously making sure that we we bring that transparency and traceability is that um There's a lot of, as Philippe was mentioning, uh, there's a lot of situations where there's a little uncertainty as to what happens exactly at the end of the supply chain. And for us, having that traceability all the way through has also enabled us to work with um, a company you might know uh, very well called Bureau Veritas, which is uh, essentially an audit and certification body. Um, And we've created with them a new standard for the recycling industry, which is called the Recycled Claim Standard, Um, which allows for the verification of the supply chain from the moment the waste gets collected from an individual or uh, a store, as I mentioned, all the way to the moment when it's actually processed into a a new raw material. And that allowed us to, through technology and through this uh, digital tracking all the way through, has allowed us to, to, to gain that certification.
0: Super interesting. And Philippe, What are the environmental drivers currently, Surga, are tracking impacting the future-proofing of the cosmetics industry?
1: Oh, there are many, many drivers. Um, We are focused on on engaged brands who uh, will be the future of cosmetics because of their uh, commitments. Um, Let me tell you a a little example of a brand called Clever Beauty. Um, She's uh, proposing a nail polish. and she's using the soccer passport of uh, the products as a, a very elegant QR code in shape of a diamond. But if you take um, a woman in a, in a store looking for a nail polish, she is looking for the, the, the color force uh, she wants, and then you have uh, no secondary packaging, you just have a little bottle uh, with a brand and a price. color or brand of the price and the same color you may have it in three four or five different uh, brands so you will make your choice uh, according to the price or the notoriety of the of the brand here with this little qr code that you you flash without any application to to download you discover that clever beauty um, is the only nail polish bottle on the shelf that can be recycled Uh, they developed a, a very smart um, uh, poussoir we say in French, how do you say in English. Uh, the top of the bottle you you press to get your product um, is very smart and uh, the, the women are using more products and uh, the consequence is that uh, you have less um, chemical stuff uh, at the bottom of the of the bottle. and uh, you can put it in a, in a recycled bin. For glass, what you cannot do with other nail polish because you you have this uh, chemical uh, material at the at the end. So it's something that will help, of course, in terms of uh, environment, but also the, the brand is um, giving more product to the consumer. So it's an anti-wasting uh, system. So it's also economic, not only ecologic but also economic. And when you flash the QR code and discover the different uh, brand commitments you discover that the, the the top of the bottle is uh assembled by um young people in situation of uh um, disabled people so you can help these people by buying a, a clever beauty nail polish you can help the planet by uh having a recyclable nail polish and uh of course it's a i think the, uh, a great example of this little Things that will change uh, the way we we, we buy beauty uh, in the future, uh, with much more transparency, much more traceability, as Jérkian uh, and, and uh, Julien explain. We are uh, fully aligned with these uh, very important values, and we we help uh, brands to. Um, to bring this um, information and uh, verifiable evidence to the consumer before buying the, the product to be sure to do the right choice. Um, so, yeah, I would say that uh, um, in terms of inter- environmental drivers, it's about packaging, it's about uh, formulation, uh, it's about the way I care of uh, all the life cycle of the product about the, the planet and the people, not only the planet, but planet and the people. I would say the danger is not that uh, the planet is burning and disappearing. Planet will still, Earth will still be there in millions of years, but it's more about uh, our human uh, race that uh, I'm worried.
0: Indeed. And dirk jan life cycle of the product. What are the environmental drivers that your company is tracking?
2: Uh, thank thanks you for your question. Um, yes, for for us, um, the most important one or the one that we are trying to do something about is the uh, deforestation, but there are a lot of environmental drives actually um, yeah, taking place at the moment. Uh, deforestation in itself is is driving climate change. and uh, we see that right uh, here in Indonesia um, over the last uh, few years where we didn't really have a dry season even. So it's changing the the seasons. And that also has an effect on the products that we are harvesting. Uh, so it means we have to, we need to look wider for different products that uh, are less, uh, that have no seasons perhaps. So we have to be quite flexible there. Um, and w- what we also see is that uh, our customers who are, um, are buying our ingredients, they are starting to ask us questions about how we produce our products and what our carbon footprint would be, how, how far do we uh, Uh, transport products from uh, ingredients from uh, one side to another uh, to our factory. And um, uh, they're also approaching us for offsetting proposals, for example. So together, um, actually, we see that there is a a lot of collaboration coming that together we can um, uh, try to reduce our carbon footprint inside the supply chain. And uh, for example, plant trees uh, together. So that is um, a very encouraging development for us
0: indeed and collaboration Julianne is that an environmental driver at terracycle?
2: yeah you're talking about
3: environmental drivers and I think there's uh, there's many that we are looking at uh, and and certainly I think there's a, there's a very strong understanding at this moment that unfortunately you know we are in an, an in an environmental crisis we talk a lot about climate but we should talk a lot about. The waste crisis that currently exists. I, I think I was reading another statistic recently that said um, over the past hundred years, the the, the waste that the humanity produced has increased by almost ten thousand um, percent, which just shows, I think, generally how much how wasteful uh, our, our civilization is. Right. Um, so I think you know we are in a situation where we all understand that resources are not infinite we we all understand that what we throw away uh, unfortunately that is not getting recycled goes into landfills or gets incinerated with the impacts that we know on the uh, environment um, whether that's carbon emissions whether that is uh, you know technically burying waste right um so i think this has pushed everyone to change whether that's uh, you know making packaging more easily recyclable uh, or at least integrate more recycled materials into them or, or moving into reuse I, I think you know it's clear that people want to be more mindful of, of what they purchase and the impact of what they purchase and on, on our side i think it's very important and we we do explain that very much to all our partners that, that work with us that it's important to also look at recycling in the in the lens of a positive impact on the environment we, we've conducted numerous uh, numerous lcas so life cycle analysis that show that recycling programs that we run have a a net benefit on the environment on the eight biggest areas uh, that are usually looked at when when you're looking at an LCA, including uh, carbon emissions that are on average 45% less when you are actually recycling the material than when you're using uh, virgin uh, materials, which mean extracting new oil, uh, et cetera, refining that oil and, and turning it into plastic versus our programs which allow for that plastic or that material to be um to be recycled and reused. So I think on on this one that's that's really important. I just wanted to really highlight the the, the LCA point because I think sometimes in the wish of making do or or, or really jumping onto what is perceived as a very positive uh change uh, there is sometimes the race towards um Uh, packaging types or things that are not always more environmentally friendly than what currently exists. And I just wanted to talk of one example, which is around uh, the uh, rise of what's called compostable packaging, which are, in principle, a very, very easy to understand solution, which means you get a packaging that will degrade. However, a lot of these types of packaging actually disrupt uh, either existing recycling or fail to actually degrade unless they are in very specific conditions, essentially then bringing them back to landfill and and wasting resources that could technically uh, not be wasted. So there's always a risk that sometimes the demand currently on on having packaging that looks better and that feels better for the environment uh, sometimes disrupts a little bit the, the, the supply chains that currently exist.
0: So, Philippe, who should be regulating this kind of environment, and what is aging and abetting the future proofing of the cosmetics industry regarding regulations?
1: Well, we, we do have good news and bad news on this topic. Uh, I think, of course, uh, the um, for the European market, the uh, European Commission is uh, um, is a right uh, person to explain the rules and to have a harmonized markets as it is in Asia or in the United States and so on for to protect the consumers and to invite them to not waste, to recycle, to uh, last the product uh, as much as possible and, and so on. Um, good news are that the um, European Commission uh, is uh, demanding this um, Digital passport product to explain how to uh, uh, reuse, recycle, and so on to to give uh, clear information uh, through a QR code and products to the different uh, European consumers because uh, it's not the same um, the same rules to recycle a product in France, in Germany, in Italy, or in the UK, for example. So thanks to this um, QR code that will appear on on products. Um, you will, you will have a clear information in your language to, to recycle your product according to uh, the, the process in your country. Um, and unfortunately, bad news um, would be that the uh, list of the ingredients in your product, for example, uh, are not allowed to be in a QR code up to date. And as they didn't vote it uh, this year, I guess we will have uh, this uh, full list of uh, ingredients that no one can read and no one can understand on the packagings, And this will not help the consumers. When you have it on your smartphone, you can have it bigger if you have um, problems to read the very small letters. Uh, you can have a visual explanation about the role of these ingredients in the formula. You can have uh, many interactive information and, and uh, easy assets to uh, understand um, these ingredients, for example. So um, as our civilization in, in Europe is getting old, um, and maybe you forget your glasses on your uh, in your room before going to buy your cosmetic product, um, it will remain to be uh, uh, hard for the consumers to uh, understand the list of these ingredients. Um, but in a way that the fact that uh, QR codes are coming uh, very uh, normal and, and uh, useful on the different packaging in the cosmetic, this is a great point because uh, everyone can use and, and uh, understand what the role of a QR code to get information, to get uh, contents and to have clear information.
0: And for you, Dirk Jan, at ForestWise, what are the regulations that are aiding and abetting the future-proofing of your business?
2: Uh, For for us, the very relevant regulation is the new EU regulation around commodities such as palm oil and cocoa butter and products that are made from those ingredients um, that are associated with deforestation or forest degradation. And uh, the regulation is uh, supposed to stop the EU driven deforestation. So in my opinion that is that is aiding uh, the future proofing of the cosmetic industry as consumers understand more and more about the impact of their uh, of the purchase that uh, their purchase makes on the environment in other parts of the world, which is uh, not yeah not something something that everyone knows when they when they buy a product or what they think about when they buy a product. Um, also to to come back to what Julian mentioned before the 10,000% increase of plastic that is, a yeah i think an astonishing number so um hopefully a regulation like the german packaging act that that we now have to comply to um is is helping that and so another thing that um impacts this is the, is the carbon tax which uh, of course is still now still voluntarily um but i think that that can uh, help Uh, absolutely as well in this case.
0: Indeed it will. And at TerraCycle, Julianne, what are the regulations that are aiding or abetting your business?
3: TerraCycle's business is always to to recycle, hard to recycle packaging. So what that might mean is sometimes regulations or improvements in a country's infrastructure uh, will mean that some packaging that we were collecting for recycling are now uh, collected curbside or collected at your home or collect, which is something that would be wonderfully welcome because we were probably the first to collect coffee capsules and it's now become a very common thing to do. We were probably the first to do cosmetics and now more and more uh, solutions start to exist outside of, of our programs which we strongly welcome and we will move to then uh, even harder to recycle packaging and products. You know, We recycle pens, we recycle medical devices, we recycle uh, ma- many different things. So generally... Anytime there is something that affects us, it's usually for the positive. When it comes to generally regulations and and what's going to affect, I suppose, the the future-proofing of of the cosmetics industry, there's a couple of things that come to mind. The the, the first one is um, in Europe specifically, we are seeing probably the most ambitious package of measures, uh, whether that is, uh, you know, the implementation of Uh, extended producer responsibilities across the board. So France, for example, will have an extended producer responsibility scheme for cosmetic manufacturers uh, starting, I believe, uh, in 2025. Um, We've got, um, uh, similarly, Europe has pushed for very high uh, recycling targets and have now um, also discussed, or at least in the European directive, uh, which is actually going to become a regulation apparently. Um, there is also very stringent reuse targets that are being sort of for uh, targets in 2030 and then uh, 2040, which are uh, you know incredible and, and very advanced compared to the, the rest of the world. So I would say any business in the cosmetics world that wants to keep abreast should really look at the European Union's uh, uh, general directives to try to understand where the market is going to go uh, over the next few years. Um, I would also want to mention that There is a lot of regulations and it's wonderful to see, but there is also sometimes a failure of regulations to recognize that there is a lot of items today that even if you put in place new regulations, new recycling targets, you're not going to be able to suddenly remove one of the key difficulties of recycling, which is when the value of the material you get at the end of the recycling does not cover the cost of collecting and processing. And what I want, what I want mentioned by this is PET bottles, HDP bottles, whether that's your shampoo, whether that's your uh, drinks bottle, these will always attract recyclers because there is an inherent value in the material uh, that, that goes into it. But when you look into cosmetics, for example, and you have a complex pump for a product or when you have uh, makeup uh, products that are usually made of different things and have contaminants with them like uh, you know, remaining mascara uh, within the, the, the mascara dispenser there is a lot of these products for which there is no recycler that no matter the regulation no recycler will suddenly start saying I want to take it because it costs them more money to collect and recycle than uh, they, are, they are making uh, from recycling the material and I think as we go through the next few years, it's really important to keep that in mind that we need to think about the true cost of collecting and recycling what is considered hard-to-recycle uh, materials. And the more we drive collection and recycling of easy-to-recycle materials, the more the emphasis will have to go on how do we make sure that we recycle the, the hard-to-recycle stuff. And that's really where we specialize, but there is a reason. is because very few companies are interested in, in, in even tackling this.
0: Well done, you guys. And finally, Philippe, what will the cosmetics industry look like in 12 months' time?
3: Hmm.
1: In 12 months' time? Um, I would say we have in front of us a, a race of uh, labels and brand commitments. Beauty consumers are looking for efficiency, uh, price, of course, but uh, as we say, they, they now want uh, more brand commitments and they are expecting some uh, real engagement. They are not following the, the, the last advertising with the Photoshop models. But um, our role at Sorga is to help them to have a, a clear information, to have secure information, an information that they can check. and which is not the self-declaration of brands saying, um, I am bio, I am uh, recycled, I am, I am green and so on. Uh, evidence um, must be uh, signed by the author of the evidence and not just self-declaration. And uh, then we'll come trust, um, because for us trust is about uh, transparency, about uh, traceability. And trust is the paradise of the relationship between brand and consumers. So this is um, being able to go to the source uh, of a secure information. And that's what we do at Sorga. And uh, Sorga for uh, people living in south of France means the source. And Sorga for people living in Italy means that reveals. And Sorga for people living in Indonesia means the paradise. So the source that reveals the paradise, that's exactly the the digital passport that we would like to uh, have on each cosmetic
2: product
0: and at forest wise Jan, what does the next 12 months look like
2: uh as far as I'm always looking for new ingredients that we can derive from the the rainforest so hopefully we'll be able to find them and uh i think in the for the cosmetics industry in general uh, yeah very much in line what with, uh, with what Philippe is saying as well that we'll see uh yeah gradually evolving uh all, all the products and brands that on the on all aspects actually of of uh, sustainability in the in cosmetic industry so perhaps more products that that will state the carbon footprint of their products uh that we also see in other in- industries and in general that that uh, the products will probably be more transparent or provide more transparency about the supply chains how things are produced or where where it comes from and more measurable Impact and uh, more traceability. So in in uh, yeah, uh, keeping keeping the products and keeping the brands, uh, uh, keeping themselves more accountable.
0: And at TerraCycle, Julian, what do the next twelve months look like?
2: It's a really good question. And I would echo
3: what has been said uh, about the fact that sustainability, recycling, reuse, none of that is going to go away uh, in the next twelve months. However, I think the next twelve months are. Particularly complex and interesting because of the current pressures that really affect every company, which pretty much which sector they're operating. But I would say cosmetics uh, is certainly one of them. Uh, the inflationary pressures, the cost of living crisis that has being talked about uh, across Europe, the energy crisis, increasing costs across the board, um, means that there is a risk that um, you know environmental. um, initiatives or sustainability targets uh, we we, we expect somehow we'll take not exactly a backseat but certainly may may, may see a little bit of a slowdown in the next 12 months because everybody will be focused on how to make sure that they can still deliver their product at the the, the cheapest price possible and that their consumers can still uh, purchase it because you know as we enter a difficult economic time whether that is a recession that is already uh, underway in, in, in the UK or or, or likely in other parts, that's going to really grip a lot of the uh, you know, energy, I think, in, in a lot of spaces. But reversely, and, and I think specifically in the cosmetics industry where there is that requirement by the consumer now to give traceability, transparency, uh, to give assurances about the commitments of each brand, I, I, I do think that we'll see 2023 as a year where Hopefully, all the sustainability initiatives currently started will will maintain. And then I I expect that as we get out of, I would say, the current inflationary pressures and hopefully see an end to some of the the factors that really affect it, like the war in Ukraine, um, I I suspect that in 12 months' time, the main focus from a lot of sustainable, uh, sorry, from a lot of cosmetics uh, brands and, and packaging manufacturers, et cetera, will switch back entirely to sustainability. Uh, that's that's at least what we are seeing. And I would say that in 12 months' time, we're likely to see very ambitious targets being announced, not just by governments and others, but also by brands directly trying to finally you know, make the switch towards recyclable or entirely recyclable uh, packaging or um, uh, where they can, uh, where they cannot, sorry, uh, have entirely recyclable packaging, to launch uh, programs to recycle them, like the ones that TerraCycle does, or even uh, to move towards reuse, like uh, the ones that Loop or or um, uh, reuse initiative actually offers to move to uh, reusable packaging. So you know, very hopeful uh, for 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 the future. And um, just certainly twelve months of. You know, difficult times ahead. That will uh, hopefully then revert back to sustainability being top of the agenda.
0: And with that, I would like to thank my guests Philippe Jan and Julianne for joining me today, and to you for listening.